Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. So we're starting a new series today. This is a good one. We haven't promoted it very well, I'm afraid, for good reason. We're going to spend the next three weeks talking about money. Because I found that if you promote we're going to talk about money, people find excuses to not be at church. Can you believe it? I know it's a shock to all of you. So we're going to talk about money. Uh, we're going to talk particularly today about God's perspective on money, how, he, how we relate to money. Uh, we're going to talk next week about how we, uh, I love this title, we're going to talk about how you act your wage. All right, how we manage our money, how we steward our money, how we look after what God has given to us. And the last week, we're going to look at generosity, how we can give to fully be alive, give to live. And we're going to spend these three weeks talking about money. I need to say right at the beginning as well that we planned this series of talks, honestly, before we planned to do the gift days that we've done both today for CAP and the next couple of weeks on the building fund. Um, I, I spend most of September, October sort of planning the next year. And we kind of got the idea of let's do Rooted as our theme for the year. And I want to talk about discipleship this year and how we can be fully rooted in the church, rooted in our community and rooted into Christ. And I thought one of the things we don't talk about very often is money. And yet it's something that's really important. And so I want to talk today about money. The gift day is happening. Gift day is happening next week. I want you to come and to be generous to all of that and to give faithfully to the work of the building program, which has been incredible. Some of the stories, there's stuff happening behind the scenes. Trust me, things are happening. Uh, we can't share too much, but it is on, on task and is happening. Please, if you're able to give. Do come next week prepared and ready to give and give financially towards the work of the church in this particular area of our building program, either as a one-off or you can just increase your regular giving towards that uh, giving. But money is important. Money matters. Money matters. Money matters because too many live in a prison of financial debt. We've heard about CAP, but many people who CAP don't know about live in financial debt and stress. Many of us are struggling with it right here in this room. But the good news is that we can learn how to get out of financial bondage. We can get smart with our money matters. And using biblical principles, we can learn how to manage our money better, to get ourselves free. And so today I want to call today's topic strapped. The idea that we can be strapped financially, but also enslaved, that we are held back from what God wants for each one of us because money has a grip on us. Now, you might be thinking, well, what's the Bible got to say about money? What's, what's in the Bible? Do you know, here we go. There are 2,350 verses in the Bible on money. I didn't count them personally. I've got it on good authority. But there's more verses in the Bible that talk about money than verses that talk about faith or prayer combined together. We're very comfortable talking about things of faith talking about how do we pray, we talk about things of like love, or we've just been talking about gifts of the Spirit, but there's more verses about money in the Bible. In fact, Jesus, out of his 39 parables, two-thirds of them were about money and possessions. Two-thirds about money and possessions. And so I think it's something often we're a bit embarrassed about. I think we just think it's uncomfortable and we all have some sort of terrible story of the church is always after your money. That's what they're about. You know, so that the pastor can drive a fancy new car or some kind of idea. Money is something we all use every single day. It's real uh, practical stuff when you think about it. So if we go to one of those 2,350 verses, we'll look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
And we've got here, um, this is a, a verse that Cap and I use regularly, uh, verse 6, starting at there, we'll read through. says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. There's a good equation right there. If you have godliness and contentment, that equals true wealth. After all, and this is a verse that's often read at funerals, isn't it? After all, we brought nothing with us when he came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Anyone here got more than one set of clothing? Anyone here? All hands should be up at this point, or we need to really get you sorted. How many items of clothing do we all have? If you have enough clothing and enough food, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Let me just pray for a moment because I believe this subject is incredibly spiritual. It's not just practical, it's very spiritual. How we handle our money reflects who we are serving. Let me just pray for a moment. Lord, I thank you. I God, I thank you for what you've given to each one of us. Each one of us has an amount. We have something. Lord, I pray as we talk about this topic today, you'd help us understand the relationship that we have with money and its position in our lives and the relationship you desire to have with each one of us. Lord, help me to communicate well, and I pray those who are listening would listen well, either here today or on the podcast later on. And may you bless us in this area and understanding of money, we pray. Amen. Amen. How many people here could do with some more money? Isn't it really a trick question? Maybe I've got a thousand pounds in my back pocket. You never know. Who would go, you know what, a bit more money would be quite useful. I would like a little bit more. I'm in that queue. Just you're being very polite. But I'm thinking I'd, I'd like a little bit more. Or what about, has anyone here ever done anything stupid with money? Has anyone ever kind of spent something? They go, oh, why did I do that? I mean, I've got a lot of stories here that I could tell. My wife's away, so I've got even more stories I could tell you. All right, but it's like, going, wow, I've got some stories. I've done some dumb things. I've bought things. It can be small things or big things. Why? But I want, I'd like some more money. But the money I have, how well do I use what I've been given. And the truth is we all need money. We use it every single day. In our culture, every day money is moving in between our hands to someone else. We're either going to a shop, we're going online, we're paying our bills. Money is going transacting from one person to another all around the world every minute of the day. That's why it's called currency. It's a, it's a current. It moves. Money's best when it moves. It's never healthy when money's staying still. And so when money moves, it's this currency, this movement of, of cash from you to me to other people. As I go into the town, and if I buy um, some nice burgers for my afternoon's barbecue, I'm thinking about that today, and, and I, I buy some burgers, that money goes in the till. That till money goes to a supplier. That supplier goes to a manufacturer. And the money moves along because it's currency, and we need to know how to use money best. But many of us are strapped, we're in debt, we're struggling and suddenly we are serving money rather than money serving us. I know the stress that money can cause. I remember when, long time ago now, but when I, when I got married in 1996, two weeks before I got married, um, I was let go from my job. 
And it was a bit awkward because the people who were employing me were good friends of mine. And two weeks before I got married, they said, you know, we just haven't got the finances to keep your job on. And so two weeks before I got married, I was 22 years old and I suddenly found myself in a situation about to move into a new flat. Uh, we signed an agreement with the landlord. Uh, we were getting married. My wife was on a grand total salary income of £4,500 per year per year. That was her income. She was a nursery nurse. She was happy. Money doesn't really matter, does it, when you're younger? And I, I just remember that moment of thinking, how am I going to provide? How am I going to survive? How am I going to make this work? I've no idea what my parents or my mother-in-law who's sitting here, what they were thinking that time. My, my daughter's getting married to this unemployed Herbert. I mean, what are we going to do here? It's a major stress point. And I remember the sleepless nights intertwined with the excitement of that season of getting married and future excitement, but also realizing, wow, what's going to happen? Debt causes huge stress. Debt makes you a slave. Being in financial debt makes you a slave to money. It's a huge problem in the UK. It's a massive problem. I love this quote from Charles Dickens. He says this, annual income, 20 pounds, Annual expenditure, 19 and 6, result, happiness. Some of you might recognise this uh, numerical terms here, I don't. But annual income, 20 pounds, annual expenditure, 20 pounds, ought and 6, result, misery. Quite simply, if you have more coming in than you spend, you'll be happy. If you have more going out than you have coming in, misery. Charles Dickens, all those years ago, still speaks the truth. Last December, the shadow chancellor voiced his concerns about the average debt that's been climbing up higher and higher. It now averages over £14,000 per person as an unsecured loan. That's not a mortgage. That's not even student debt. That's just debt. Debt on a credit card, debt because you bought something on a store card. £14,000 per adult. So if there are two of you or three of you in a house, that's, that's starting to climb, isn't it? And if you look at this graph, you'll see where 2008 sits because that's where we stopped having debt. We thought, well, we better get rid of debt. And you see how it's come back up again. And now debt is in, on the increase. People are living with substantial debt. The Bank of England says there is £200 billion uh, pounds of unsecured debt in the UK at this moment in time. £68 billion of that is credit card debt. So almost, almost a third of debt is credit card debt. And that's an increase of 18% in the last three years. So debt is going up dramatically. It doesn't include student debt, which is £89 billion just for student debt. And that's doubled in the last three years. So we're starting our young people's lives. They're starting off in debt. They're leaving university with a huge debt. It's become the norm. Of course you would have debt. Why would you not have debt? And it's become a language almost as acceptable. But I did a little bit of um, Googling around. Here's some stuff. I, I went onto a, one of these short-term loan companies. If I borrow £400 for three months because I'm a bit short, and I borrow £400 for three months, if I pay it back after three months, it'll be almost £700 I'll repay. 1,294.9% APR. And yet people are using these kind of things all the time. Getting into debt is really easy. It's more easy now than it's ever been because you can literally make a phone call, you can go on a website, you can download an app and you can have money in your bank in seconds that you're paying extraordinary interest rates for. It's happening all the time. I remember before last year's Christmas, I tried to buy something on a website, and I will shame them, it's called very.co.uk. It was a game for a child of ours and it was a great price, but they wouldn't let me pay for it. 
they wanted me to put it on a year's payment plan. And I couldn't just check out. I wanted just to buy it. And it wouldn't let me buy it. They wanted an account and they wanted me to make monthly payments on something which was about £25. I thought, why would you not let me just buy it? Because you want to catch me out. You want to trap me into being in debt to you. Or you go on other websites and they say, have our store card and we'll take 20% off your first order. Spend £200. And you're thinking, yes, I'm saving money. No, you're not. You're spending more money. And then you're on a store card and then they're going to charge you interest and you will be in debt. You know, if you want the latest iPhone, you can buy the latest iPhone, the iPhone X, for just £10, ladies and gentlemen. £10. It's for sale at a certain um, provider of mobile phones. And for £10, you can buy an iPhone X if you pay £76 a month for the next two years. Almost £2,000 for a phone that's actually worth still a lot of money, £1,000. See how easy it is. You think, wow, I could get the latest gadget for just £10. Oh, there's some small print. Don't worry about the small print. And it's easily done. I know that debt is not always you know, a bad thing, but in our work with CAP, we come across some people who, have, who are struggling financially in extreme ways. I remember the first client I went to with Joey, but who's our CAP centre manager, and I spent three, four hours going through seven years of paperwork that they just kind of put into a cupboard and ignored. And in that paperwork, I remember I found mobile phone companies that had lent or you know, sold a phone on a two-year deal, and then he struggled to pay the deal. And he would just sell his phone, and then he would have still the debt to pay. What did this company do? They'd sell him another phone with another contract. And then when that went wrong, they would sell him another phone and another contract. He ended up with three phones, three, well, he didn't have the phones anymore. He kept selling the phones. He had three contracts he couldn't afford to pay, and they kept selling them to just debt management companies. There's almost like an industry around debt, because they know once they have you, you're a slave to debt. You're in, their, you're in their grips. And I know that sometimes it's something we can use it. You have a, a large payments required. You need to make a payment you weren't expecting. There is a way of having a management program for debt. I understand that is an important thing. And sometimes it's useful to make a small payment. I mean, to be honest, as a family, we've, we've never had a credit card until literally, I think it was two years ago, because you can't hire a car in the States unless you have a credit card. Do you know that? There you go, a little bit of hint for you. But we always use a debit card, but friends said, oh, take a credit card out, you'll need one. We just never got into debt. We just tried to steer clear from that, apart from our mortgage. It's been one of our, Lottie and mine, it's just been one of our things we've just done. We try to live on what we earn. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 7, as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is the servant to the lender. The one that borrows is a servant to the lender. If you're always the one borrowing, you'll always be the one serving. And the word there, servant, is the word ebed, which just means a slave or bondage, or as we're talking about today, being strapped, being tied, tight, being limited in what you can do being restricted, when you are in debt, it stops you becoming who you're meant to be. And I know there are people here who go, oh, I'd just love to get my first house, my first home. I would love to you know, get married, have children, or to get a larger home, or to change my job, or to, to get some kind of, you know, uh, get more new education so I can change my job and do something different. But I, I'd like to give to CAP this morning. I'd like to give the building fund next week, but I can't because I'm in debt. I can't do anything because I'm restricted, I am strapped, I am held back. See, if debt is not under control, 
it has a detrimental effect upon our lives. It really does. And you probably know what it's like. Debt affects our mental health. It affects our sleep patterns. It's one of the key reasons that people cite when they have a divorce is our financial circumstances. Debt affects our relationships, our families. It causes isolation. People often don't want to talk about it, so they hide it. They hide it from those around them, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And if you're sitting there today going, Sim, this is exactly where I am, can I encourage you to contact the helpline uh, from CAP? Uh, there's a national number. You ring that number, and you don't have to speak to our CAP team. You can go to a team in Winchester or in Southampton where you don't know anybody. Don't worry. We're not, gonna, we're not trying to find you out or make you feel uncomfortable. But if you, if you need help, CAP are brilliant. I mean, they are first class. The quality and standard, I mean, they've won awards uh, in competition with, with you know, high street banks for financial um, competency awards because the standard of their operation is amazing. And the people they're seeing saved from debt and people getting saved and finding Christ through the process is incredible. So if you do need help, please ring that number. I don't want to just talk about this. I want us to make sure we're doing something about it. So debt, it enslaves you. Number two, there's a temptation to serve money. There's a temptation to serve money. Matthew 6 says this, No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, it says in the Bible, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. If your money is causing you to be strapped, to be restricted, to be enslaved, then you're always going to struggle to serve God. It's going to be the one thing that holds you back. It's going to stop you because you're going to go, I can't serve two masters. That's, that's what it says here in Matthew chapter 6. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I know that moment where you've, you know, you ever bought something you don't really need. That awkward moment you kind of, you come out of the shop. You know, sort of the buyer's remorse. That horrible moment going, oh, I, I would like to return that now. Or maybe you've been trying to buy something because you want to show your colleagues at work how much better you're doing than them because you bought something, a new car, that you don't really need. But when you pull into the parking space next to your colleague's car, you feel slightly better about yourself. Maybe that's happened to you or you've got a friend that's happened to them. Or maybe it's about neighbours or other friends or family members trying to compete, but you've become a slave to money. You end up serving money rather than money serving you. One of the most wealthiest men that's ever lived, a guy called John D. Rockefeller. He died in 1917, but they reckon he was worth four times what Bill Gates is worth today. He, he actually was responsible for almost 1.5% of all output from America came from this guy here, John D. Rockefeller. And his family today are still very wealthy. And he was asked this question, how much money is enough? And he said, a little bit more. A little bit more. This is the wealthiest man in the world ever lived. How much money is enough? A little bit more. We're always tempted for a bit more. I find this also fascinating that when he died, somebody asked his lawyer the question, how much did he leave? And the lawyer said, all of it. All of it. However much you've got, it ain't going with you. And he had as much money as anyone could ever imagine. And he always said a little bit more. Money is this incredible motivator in our society. We grade our success in our job role based on how much we get paid to do that job. We, we admire people on higher salaries. 
We admire people with smarter looking cars. We admire people in bigger houses. This idea that people, almost the prestige that comes with somebody with designer clothes, we go, wow, I wish I could be like them. We're impressed with those who have money. But money must come under our power. We mustn't come under its power. There's a temptation to serve money. Number three, we can, sometimes we can love money. We read earlier 1 Timothy 6.10, that famous verse where we talk about money being the root of all evil. The most misquoted verse ever. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. Our attitude to money makes the biggest bit of difference. You see, money by itself is not good or bad. There is no particular feeling about money. It's just a thing. Money is just a way of making transactions. Back in the day, we used to barter. Well, now we've got a coin system and a, and a current system, an online payment system. We can use it. It's just a way of making payments. Money's a good thing. It can be used for good. Money buys you time. You know, if I want to go and visit a friend in Scotland, I could drive there. And it would probably take me a couple of days to drive there, have spend some time with my friend, then drive back the next day. Maybe even three days. Maybe I'd take two nights. But if I got on a plane, I could go up there and back in one day. If I had money, I could make those kind of choices and actually it would save me time. And if I had a private jet in my back garden, it would be even quicker to get there and back, wouldn't it? Money does buy you time. Money gives you options when you're choosing your family holiday. Some of you will be looking at how much you can afford and therefore what we could do. Some of you are choosing what would we like to do because actually how we pay for it is not really on our radar. Money can make a difference to the way we live our lives. It can be a good thing. The King James Version has used a word of, for money called mammon. Mammon is a, 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 an understanding of money, as in something we put our trust in. Money is just a thing, but when we start putting our trust in money, mammon is this spirit of greed that comes. Money, if I only had more money. Money is just a thing, but when we start attaching a feeling to money, it's the treasure a person trusts in. When we put our trust in money, actually it becomes unhealthy. It becomes a god. It becomes an idol. It becomes something we seek. If only I had enough money. More money, I'm afraid to say, simply makes you more of what you already are. If you have bad tasting clothes and you have more money, you'll just have more expensive, bad-tasting clothes. And you've all got friends, and maybe you're thinking of that. You know, if, if you are foolish with your money, and you haven't got very much, and you think, if I had more money, you'd just be more foolish with more money. We All more money does, it gives you an ability to do more of what you already are. Our character is more important than what we have and the way we spend what God has given to us. Jim Carrey said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. It's powerful, isn't it? It's not the answer. Money is not the answer. Don't love money. It's greed. Greed is like a disease. It can absolutely wrap you up. Jesus was always talking about our attitude towards money. In Matthew chapter 6, he talked about don't store up your treasures here on earth. He said, don't store them up here on earth. Moths eat them and rust destroys them where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. That's what John D. Rockefeller didn't realize, that he was going to leave it all behind. 
Wherever your treasure is, verse 21, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your attitude towards money is reflected in how you spend that money. Billy Graham, who was a well-known American evangelist who died recently, age 99, said this. If a person gets that attitude to money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in their life. If you can sort your attitude to money out, it will affect every other area of your life. This is really important. I know some of you are sitting this thing, this is very practical, Sim, it's not very spiritual. This is really spiritual. This is really spiritual. If you can get a hold of the way you handle your finances, that has a statement about your spirituality, about how you see money and its importance to you. Jesus always talked about how you give. He talked about whether you love your money. He was interested in the attitude, not in the amounts. When he, he pointed out the, the widow with her mite, her two coins that she gave into the offering, he wasn't pointing out, look at how much she's giving. He was saying, look at the attitude. Look at the way she's going, I'm going to give all of it, and I'm going to trust God with what I don't have. And there came the wealthy people with their bags of money, waving it in the air. And he said, that's not the way you do it. It's not about the amount, it's about the attitude. And I have met people with, with plenty of money who've got amazing attitudes. And people with very little money who absolutely struggle with finances and money. It's a, it's a God for them. In church world, sometimes we talk about prosperity teaching and prosperity gospel. And there is that kind of men, mindset of, oh, what if, if we have more? It shows everyone how spiritual we are because God is blessing me and his favor is on me. I'm not talking about prosperity. But I'm also not talking about the other extreme. My parents were probably a bit like this, where it's almost a poverty mindset. That actually, the, the less we have, the poorer we are, somehow the more godly we are. If I'm living a very basic, simple life, then I am closer to God. And I don't want that to be the story at all. Both of those can be bad attitudes towards money. Both of them can be seeing money in an unhealthy manner. It's putting, it's putting power upon, if I have plenty then people will think something of me. If I have less, people will be impressed by the way I live my life. Actually, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, get your attitude in order about the way you handle that which you're given. Living with prosperity or living with little isn't godly. It's how we do that. One of the wealthiest people I've ever met, he, he regularly gives over a million pounds a year away to charity. Gives it away. And I met this guy last year, and I'd heard a lot about him. I was kind of intrigued for the conversation on meeting him. And to be honest with you, I was a little bit shocked because he was wearing a pair of sandals that had been stapled and gaffer taped together. I said, do you mind me saying? I said, looks like you need a new pair of sandals, and you shouldn't really wear them as socks either. But I didn't say that. I just looked. And, and he said to me, well, I just repair them. I, I figure... If I can repair them, I might as well keep wearing them. And one day I'll not be able to repair them, so I'll just buy another pair. I thought, wow, there's a whole different mentality there. He had all the money. He could have bought really expensive shoes, but he chose to give away literally millions of pounds, really generous, and live with very little. I've also met people who have no money, who drive the latest car and have all the greatest labels, but I can just imagine when it comes to the end of the month, there's not much money left to, to pay for everything. And we've got to get our, our attitude to money right. 
for me, it's a bit like a, you know, going down a motorway that on one extreme you've got prosperity, other extreme poverty. We need to navigate our way down the middle and say, God, what do you ask me to do with the money you've given to me? How do I spend it? We can talk more about that next week, but this week more about our debt and our attitude, our relationship with money. Lastly, this thing about being our relationship with money. Money is something which we have to use. It's something we use every day. But how we connect to it is really important. Luke 16 says this. If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be dishonest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? A God perspective on money is a, an internal, uh, sorry, eternal perspective. God looks at money as a thing for us to use while we're here on earth. It is sometimes we make it into our, almost our life's ambition to achieve so much. But God is not impressed by money. When we get to heaven, God won't say, how much did you make? What car did you drive? How many people did you employ? He won't care about any of that. What he will care is what do you do with what you had? How are we being faithful? What is our relationship with money? A godly perspective is this. We need to firstly love God and love people. That is the great commandment. Jesus said, love the Lord your God, your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. End of story. Love God, love people. We need to use money and use stuff. The problem is sometimes people get those things the wrong way around. They're trying to love stuff, love money, and they use people. And we're meant to show love and respect for others and use money. Use the stuff that God has given to you. It's there. It's just a thing. But it's only temporary. It's only temporary. God is going to be God forever. And when we go to heaven to be with him, we get to celebrate and to worship him and to be with one another. And we can celebrate who God is forever. Our stuff will be long gone. It's temporary. And we need to get a bigger perspective on money. We need to understand that money is just a thing that we have. And one day it will be gone. So let's use it well and make sure we get an understanding of our relationship with money. John Wesley said this, good advice. Get all you can. Give all you can. And save all you, uh, sorry, sell, get all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. He was very keen that we made sure we didn't, there's nothing wrong with earning money, but let's use that money that we earn well. There's nothing wrong having a lot of money or little money, but each one of us has a responsibility. What are we going to do with what we've got? Lastly, I just want to say about money is that money is something we mustn't serve. Money mustn't be something that we must get our relationship with money right when we come under money and money is things that we look to we think oh, if only I had more and God becomes second because we can't serve two masters we've misunderstood the relationship we must serve God and allow money to serve us we don't serve money we serve God and it's only when that gets out of kilter where suddenly when we're in debt and we're in stress and we're anxious, we're anxious about the next thing and how are we going to pay for things, suddenly God becomes second and money becomes our complete focus. Money must serve us as we serve God. We get our relationship with money in the right order. I wonder today how your finances are doing. 
I wonder today whether you're going, actually, you know what, I am. I'm strapped. I'm limited. I'm, I'm physically affected by my finances. Or maybe you're in a place of surplus. Actually, I've got more than I need. I'm doing okay. I'm in a really healthy place. Or maybe you're just solid. Things are okay. Things are working. But if something goes wrong, we might be in an awkward position. I wonder how your finances are. Are you in a place of strapped, solid, or surplus? I wonder where you are today. All I know is that we need to be people that make sure we're following God's plan with our finances. And it makes such a difference. Romans 13 says this, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continued debt of loving one another. We don't want to have any debt in this church. I don't want this to be a church where people are either financially or in other ways are in debt. Where they are, they are, the, they are the slave to the lender. I don't want people to be financially crippled. I want the name of this church, Freedom Church, to be true. The people who come here are set free. I want it to be a story. If you go to that church, you will meet God and he will set you free. And I believe that means every aspect of your life, not just your spiritual freedom, not just your, your freedom in your relationships, but freedom in your finances as well. God cares about your money. He cares enough to write 2,350 verses all about it in the Bible. Our money is an important indicator of our heart. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So I've asked the big team here. We've got some plastic cable ties. And this is a little kind of, if we can pass those round, big team people, that would be wonderful. And these, these cable ties are just a little reminder of today, this idea of being strapped. That almost if you can imagine your wrists tied together, that you are limited by uh, your finances. Now, I don't know your circumstances, but in a moment, I want to pray for each one of us because I want to pray that actually this will be a place of freedom. And I know what happens around the area of money. Shame is a big deal. People are so ashamed of their circumstances of how do I get to this position? How do I allow my debt to get out of control? And I want to encourage us to step away from shame. Shame only works when it's kept in the dark. But when we step into the light and we tell our friends and our family and we tell to those, I'm not suggesting you come to the front and announce your debt to everyone in the church. I'm not suggesting that. But I want to encourage you to find some other people you can talk to and say, could you help me? Can you help me be brave into making some tough decisions? You know, the CAP is an amazing organization and it will get anyone debt free if you're willing to work at it. It takes work. It takes effort. It will impact you. But God wants you to be free. I want to encourage you today to get a handle on your debt, to get in touch with CAP if need be, to get your money in the right place, to get set free. We don't serve money. We serve God. Money serves us as we serve God. Let's get that relationship right, that we are in charge of our money and God is in charge of us. And then we keep that in a healthy relationship. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.